Welcome to the Money Wise Women Show, brought to you by MoneyMorphosis.com. Are you ready to be inspired to upgrade your financial skills? Listen to feminine leaders sharing practical advice and valuable insights. Shift your money mindset, improve communication skills, and learn financial management tips. Although we do not provide investment advice, you can check out MoneyMorphosis.com. That's money m o r p h o s i s dot com to find simple ways to boost your true wealth. Welcome, this is Crystal Arnold, your hostess at Money Wise Women and founder of Money Morphosis. You are probably tuning in today because you are curious about what is changing in the world of finance. And perhaps you're wondering how women are leading the way in uh, transforming some of the um, ways that money is being used and invested. And I've talked to a lot of women over the past uh, year and a half of doing this show who are in their own ways uh, really in leadership around greater awareness of money and really encouraging people to um, become more empowered with their investments, with how they spend their money, with how they relate to money. And it's such a fascinating time to be having these discussions because I hope that we can all get curious today about what is possible for humanity and how we can use this brilliant invention called money uh, to serve people and planet in a more effective way and transform our financial systems from extractive, uh, sometimes abusive uh, uh, economies that that suck the value out of society and and suck the value out of our natural environment and and bring it into the hands of fewer and fewer people as as we see by the numbers you know i'm an economist and and really looking at the the stark realities of of wealth inequality and and some of the the very big challenges that we're facing in society today And so this is why I'm so excited to have our guest on today, who I see as a true leader in in the field of more feminine finance. And not only is her um, company um, Change Finance run by uh, primarily women and has uh, predominantly women investors and and many who are millennials and of the younger generations, but also it really incorporates these more uh, feminine principles of, uh, we'll get into to what those are about prioritizing relationships and, and looking at the whole, um, whole picture and, and benefits to the larger society and, uh, and so many more things. So super excited to introduce you to Donna Morton. And, uh, you know, Donna brings decades of experience in sustainability, economics, social innovation, clean energy, and ethical wealth management to her role at Change Finance. And prior to Change Finance, she was the CEO of a clean energy company and built a think tank, which helped pass the first carbon tax in North America, and she just has a whole variety of um, experience uh, within the financial field, and, uh, and, and really at Change Finance, they really um, founded that to empower financial activism, and um, so I will let her tell you about that more in just a moment. And uh, I would love to um, welcome you, Donna, and uh, hear from you a little bit more about what you find most exciting about the work that you do. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, the, I, I think the interesting thing about finance uh, as we edge towards 
the year 2018, um, it, it feels like there's this unprecedented new opportunity for us as financial activists if we claim that identity. Um, the majority of the money in circulation on the planet is in public markets, and if we decide together to be proactive about all of the ways we touch the world with our money, we can literally move the trillions of dollars that are required to pay for the transition from dirty to clean energy. We can pay for the investments that create jobs in clean agriculture, clean real estate, the clean economy um, at large, that, that we, the people, can take back the money system or the financial system or Wall Street, however you want to address it, but we have that power. And I think in a moment in time where some of us have lost faith in the political system or winning through smart policy, but if, if we've sort of lost our faith in being able to drive change through those more conventional um, places and spaces, um, I think we have to look again at the money system as this completely um, powerful place for us to stand. Um, and, and that's really what change finance is about, is giving people easy, affordable ways to transform everything in the world and fix lots of what's broken by rising as financial activists. Mm, yes. I just really resonate with that why and and uh and we'll hear more about the how that happens and uh it's, it's so inspiring for people who do get discouraged and in some despair about the state of the world to hear about the good that is is happening through this financial activism. Um could you tell people a little bit more about um you know why you founded Change Finance and what exactly um, you guys do. So the, the why, um, a team of us, Andrew Rodriguez, Hunter Levins, the sustainability guru and I, were building separately managed accounts for um, a, you know, a handful of dozen of, of clients, mostly people who have you know, re relatively large accounts. And, and we had built these really innovative financing strategies, but really they were only available to um, fairly wealthy people. And, and that tends to be true in our society, that if you're a high net worth person, if you have millions of dollars in assets, you can buy squeaky clean, highly ethical investment strategies that absolutely match your values. But that doesn't tend to be true for working families and and even you know people that are struggling but they still want to put some money away for retirement or they're in a pension program, um, I felt a little outraged, frankly, about the the percentage of assets um, in um, you know people that have worked their whole lives and they have these these pensions or these retirement funds and lots of their money is being exposed to really risky uh, investments. And I would argue the entire fossil fuel economy is risky. Companies that are complicit in human rights violations risk. If your, um, you know, if your retirement funds are overexposed to junk food and, uh, you know, un unthoughtful or um, uh, poorly designed real estate, um, again, risk. And so we wanted to build a very affordable, easy-to-buy financial product, and we think ETFs or exchange-traded funds are about as good as it gets in, in the market that exists right now. So we're using Wall Street as our delivery mechanism. We're using exchange-traded funds as the design um, to give people some of the cleanest, um, I think most thoughtful investment strategies in terms of integrating impact both that protects people and planet. So the first product we've created um, 
isn't just good on climate change, and it's really good on climate change. It has no zero fossil exposure, no fossil fuel companies, none of the large contractors to the fossil fuel industry, none of the utilities that burn fossil, and we've even divested from the banks that were directly investing in the Dakota Access Pipeline. So it's, it's a very clean product for someone who is passionate about touching the world with their money with integrity, but particularly not being complicit in climate change. Um, because this product is so good on climate change, but it's really good on protecting other planetary systems and protecting human dignity by addressing slavery and sex trafficking and human and indigenous rights, women and other equality principles, right? So it's a, it's a very integrated, deep impact product that costs about as much as a pizza. It's under $19. Hmm. Wow. And what, what year did you guys found this? You know, we started working on change finance in 2016. We really went live this past year. We launched our first product on the New York Stock Exchange this fall. Um, you know, it now has about $3 million in it. We've got commitments for some very large investments in the new year. Um, 2017 was really our launch year, and 2018 looks even better and like a a spectacular um, year to move millions of dollars from harm to healing on our road to someday moving, you know, billions of dollars and hopefully catalyzing people to copy us um, and then move the required trillions that it takes. I think the estimate right now is that it's about $2 trillion a year, every year, for the next 30 years to pay for the transition from dirty to clean energy. And I want us to play um, a catalytic role in, in making that capital available. I don't want to wait for governments. I don't want to wait just for the private equity market to enable clean energy. I want to invent ways for absolutely everyone um, to to have a way to play a role in paying for the transition from dirty to clean energy. I think people, particularly women and millennials, are starved for an opportunity to play that kind of designing role um, in um, using their money to design an economy that creates jobs and reflects who we are as decent human beings. Mm. And that's what I love about um, your uh, about change finance. And um, could you, it, it sounds like you really have a lot of women and millennials involved. And I'd love to hear more about that and how you feel like that's influenced your organization. Yeah, I mean, I think the most empowering part of what we're doing is that we are activist women and millennials building products for ourselves. These were the financial products that, you know, Hunter Levins and I lamented five years ago didn't exist in the marketplace. And so rather than complaining, we decided, you know what, let's build a majority women's finance company that changes the rules and that um, really proves that good companies that treat people well, that take responsibility for the impacts of their supply chain, that care how their products and services impact communities, let's, let's build a financial company that really gets that good companies do better and make those um, investments available. Let's empower women and millennials to ask all the questions they've always wanted to ask people in the financial industry but were afraid to ask because there's something about the way finance um, has structured itself that leaves people out and intimidates and um, uses a lot of lingo and jargon and formulas. Um, Sometimes I think even in an effort 
to shut people down and, and keep them out. And so it's our design to demystify how money works, how finance works. It's our desire to make it easy and affordable and accessible and empowering because money is an energy and people get caught up in seeing money as a dark energy. And I don't believe that. I I actually think it's a very neutral energy and that it's up to us now. It's up to the people, the largest we in human history to redefine what we want money to do. And if we don't want money to create murder and mayhem and drive catastrophic harms, it's up to us to take back that system and bring our values front and center um, into into crafting change. And I, I think that's what we've done. And so change finance is majority women ownership, majority women leadership, majority women governance, and we've just shifted to where the majority of our investors are women, and we're very proud of that fact. Mm. Wow. And is this something like um, the everyday person could buy on the exchange right now? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's part of the thrill of ETFs. They they cost somewhere around half of what mutual funds cost. Um, and you don't need intermediaries, you know. The people that um, have gotten really excited about our company and what we're doing, sometimes they've opened, you know, a Schwab account or a Robinhood account, or they've even moved some of their money from a conventional wealth manager. Some of them have moved all of their money from a conventional wealth manager into someone who really appreciates their values, wants to help them express who they are in the world, touch the world with their money in a way that is really um, of the the utmost integrity and um, make products like ours available to their clients because they, they know that, you know, 85% of millennials want their money to touch the world well. They care about impact. Um, I think it's now about 70% of women that inherit money fire their conventional, often older male wealth manager um, that worked for their husband or worked for their father or grandfather um, because they feel like a lot of those people don't listen and don't care about the people's values and um, patronize them, tell them, you know, I've heard lots of stories from women investors where the older wealth manager um, men have said, you know, oh, honey, you know, you're so good at caring about the world and you should use your energy to do philanthropy. You should, you know, do good things with a little portion of your money. Let me take care of you and make as much money for you as possible. Um, You know, don't worry about how the money is invested. You use your good heart and your good values to worry about how you spend it. Um, And I think there's a lot of people, um, but particularly women and millennials that are fed up and tired of being patronized by the financial industry. And what they really want is someone who's willing to listen. What do you love who are you? What are your values? You know, what are the things you care most about? What are the issues in the world that you most want to proactively be part of fixing? Okay, now let's have you invest with all of that in alignment so that you don't wake up in the middle of the night feeling bad about what your money does in the dark while you're sleeping. Um, so that you can talk to your kids and your grandkids um, with some integrity and say, you know what, we used to make our money like this, um, but we figured out that whether you know we're putting $10 into the dominant financial system or $10 into you know these ethical investment opportunities, if we can make the same $10 with very similar risk and very similar volatility, um, why wouldn't we choose to make our money in a way that doesn't hurt people in the planet? Um, and, and that's really what we strive to be is this 
um, market performing, market risk, market volatility opportunity for people to have superior values um, in connection with how they invest. Oh yes, I'm. I'm just so inspired because this. I feel like people are, and and in particular women, you know, really are hungry for this type of purpose aligned, values driven. Um, investment where they really can feel that their money is a force for good and that they are making a difference with their investments and um, that their voice is important. Like you said, that they as a person, as a um, multi-level dimensional person are being honored and respected and understood in, in the ways that they want to direct their funds. And I think that's that's really important um, in this world. Um, and, and I also hear people like argue against, you know, um, ethical funds that they, that they don't perform as well, that it's basically like philanthropy and you don't get the returns. Do you want to say anything about, um, about kind of the risk and, and returns that you are seeing and, and forecasting? Yeah, I mean, I think what's interesting about where we stand on the cusp of 2018, um, if you go back 25, 30 years into what was then the SRI movement, the socially responsible investment pioneers, and there's a lot of people that I'm very grateful to for starting this movement, um, in those early days, there often was a performance compromise. If you wanted to screen out 10 or 20 um, types of investments from your portfolio back then, it was true that there was some kind of a sacrifice. Depending on who did it and what vehicle, the variations of what you were giving up um, were, 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 there was a range. Um, but today, it's no longer true. And actually, there are futurists like Tony Saba who is predicting that fossil fuels as an investment category, the entire energy sector as an investment category is high risk with very limited growth potential because most people, almost every rational person that I can think of, if you ask them honestly, you know, where do you think the growth potential is in oil and gas or in clean energy? Just about anybody is going to say, I think, the greatest growth potential into the future. And good investors invest with long-term, long-ride potentials. Warren Buffett, basically, I think, in some way, is the absolute inspiration for what we're doing. Because Buffett says two things. Um, most often, passive management outperforms active because most financial managers aren't Kreskin and don't have magical powers, and rarely does active management lead to outperformance. So Warren Buffett says, passive management is really smart, and don't get into a company that you don't want to own for at least 30 years. So get in, leave your money, set it, and let it ride. And that's, that's really what we do. It's just that the set we create, the, the rule sets that we create are framed within business practices that don't harm life on earth and don't harm human beings and their dignity. Um, mm. And so we passively create rules that just run and select companies within particular parameters. They're all high ESG, environmental social governance companies. It's just that we've gotten rid of most of the cancer-causing chemical companies and the junk food companies that lead to diabetes and the fossil fuel companies that are driving climate change. And we've gotten rid of the mining companies culpable in human rights um, and particularly indigenous rights. Um, brutality. And, and I think if you can tell someone, listen, make $10 on the dark side of the force or on the light side of the force, the choice is really easy. Hmm. Yes. Oh, love that. 
And I hear you just saying how we can honor all life with our money and and really the satisfaction and, and peace that comes from that kind of alignment and um and and that you receive, you know, financial gain as as well as peace of mind and, and knowing that these companies are using the funds to um to further the values and the health and wellness of um of people and planet. And I think that's so important. Indeed. Yeah, because ultimately, um, it's my belief that finance is the mother of all human systems. There, there is no system humans have ever built that is faster, more global, or more powerful. Finance is the big instrument that's in front of us. Policy on climate change will take too long, even though I really believe in policy actions. Um, Advocacy and direct action and the work of NGOs is invaluable to ringing bells, but the change can come really fast on climate change if we decide to use the most powerful tool we have available to us, the power of our collective selves working together as financial activists. There is no way to move the needle harder or faster on climate change, extreme poverty, or gender inequality than available to us through using the money system. And so it's time for us to rise up, do our work, learn how, and act collectively because we can move trillions of dollars fast if we decide to. That's really what we're um, wanting to be is, you know, a force that catalyzes financial activists all over the planet and says, okay, this is the time, this is the moment, let's do this really big lift together because um, we can do it in a matter of weeks if we really wanted to. We could really move um, millions, then billions, eventually trillions of dollars out of harm into healing. And we could do it instantaneously if we um, set our sights on it. And, and so that's really the call to action of change finance is use finance as an instrument for driving change. Mm. Oh, so well said. I, I just love that term. I've never heard that uh, before, that finance is the mother of all human systems. And it feels so true and you know, I often say that the original essence of of the economy is a, a place of caring for one another, and it's it's become kind of deformed into another extractive mechanism. And yet, I feel like we are reclaiming um, the feminine aspect of uh, caring about the health of the whole system and prioritizing the relationships and and the values and uh, that can't always be measured by money, that, that some things are so, so valuable, um, like love and connection and relationships um, that, that we can't even measure them in, in dollars. And so I, I just love that, um, that kind of languaging around it. And uh, I feel like that's, that's really empowering. Um, we're, let's go ahead and take a, uh, a quick break here, and and when we get back, let's, um, you know, two things. I'd like to hear about, you know, the top three financial trends that you see in, in 2018, and then also go into the power of money and having conversations about them and, and kind of bringing it into the light, as you've been uh, uh, speaking to already. So we will be back in just a moment. Do you get choked up and flush talking about money? Don't let fear and shame stop you from sharing your value. Speak up, sister. Find out how to boost your financial communication skills at www.findyourmoneyvoice.com. Perhaps you're like Gwen, a budding creative entrepreneur who wants to provide for her family, but she has a tough time expressing her needs. 
She chronically undercharges and lays awake at night with money stress. With Crystal's Find Your Money Voice training, she found renewed confidence speaking her self-worth. Transform beliefs, behaviors, and skills with money. With greater clarity and focus, Gwen more confidently negotiated solid agreements and increased her business earnings with the trainings found at findyourmoneyvoice.com. Welcome back. We are here with Donna Morton, uh, CEO of Change Finance. Uh, Just a brilliant organization, and I have so appreciated your articulation of some of these deeper truths about uh, the possibility and potential of um, transforming our uh, the way that we use money as a tool for good and become financial activists and uh, so inspiring. Um, so obviously a lot is changing in our society, in our world. There's a lot of, you know, excitement slash anxiety and anticipation about how how things are are changing right now uh, financially and politically socially in so many arenas um, humanity can do better and we need the systems that will bring out the best in people the creativity the genius that can address some of the huge um, challenges we face around the climate change and um, social social systems and, and ways that people can can you know really care for each other more effectively and and I I'd, I'd love to hear from you you know what what are some like the top three financial trends that you see in 2018 coming up. A series of trends that have have converged and will continue to become more and more significant um, over the course of the next year. The, the first one is this phenomenon that people are talking about as the wealth transfer. That I've heard as much as seventy trillion dollars is going to be moving from older men to the hands of women, um, their wives and daughters. Um, or millennials, their children and grandchildren, and that the majority of that money moving will move um, in the next, you know, five to seven years. It's a very, very um, large demographic shift within the financial industry. And most advisors, um, the majority of Wall Street, certainly the leadership of Wall Street, um, is mostly older white men from very conventional sort of middle-class backgrounds. Um, and so I think the, the big trend on that file is that women and millennials want values front and center on their investments, and they care about who they deal with. So the idea that Wall Street is still complacent having 78% of teens be exclusively men, and only 2% of the CEOs on Wall Street are women, those numbers are in the way of Wall Street evolving. Um, And so we decided very consciously to build a more diverse, um, you know, majority women, um, lots of millennial uh, finance company. The, the, The next piece that I think is really important is the ETF market. Um, The exchange-traded fund market is relatively young. Um, Over the last decade, it's grown four times, and the assets under management have grown by more than five times. It is the fastest-growing segment of the investment in in public equities. Um, The the second piece that I think is – Um, one of the biggest trends to impact Wall Street maybe ever is we're now looking at $5.5 trillion having been committed um, to divest from fossil fuels. Over 700 institutions and 10,000 individuals have said, I don't want my money driving climate change. Fix it. (laughs) 
And so I think the convergence of the wealth transfer, um, the growth of the ETF market, and the incredible impact of this divestment trend really point um, in the direction of the work we're doing. Um, And Change Finance is really trying to build the capacity to deliver on um, the confluence of those those big trends. Um, People want change. They want their money to drive change. They're becoming conscious and mindful and thoughtful. And like you said, they want a form of peace that they've never known around money. They want to know that their family is taken care of. They want to know that someone has reduced the risk and the volatility of their investments um, while giving them market performance, but not coercing them into being complicit in climate change, gender inequality, extreme poverty, and childhood cancer. People no longer want their money to touch the world in a way that drives harm. And, and so that's, that's, that's where change finance lives, at the confluence of those trends. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's so, so powerful to acknowledge, have the humility to acknowledge uh, some of the, you know, essentially mistakes that we've made with the way that we've designed our systems and, and really honestly looking at the consequences, you know, the, the financial numbers and, and the actual suffering in our communities and, and our environment and to really address some of these problems, I feel like there is um, a lot of shame and guilt that is really keeping us as individuals and, and as a society from really looking at some of these ugly truths that are coming out now about sexual harassment, about the devastation of the environment, about, you know, sex trafficking and, and a lot of these challenging taboo topics which which are coming to the surface. And it's painful, right? It's like, okay, we've had, you know, um, we, we can learn from, from these um, challenging situations and uh, we can do better. So I hear you speaking to this kind of upwelling to, to shine a greater light into to money and finance, even though it's uncomfortable, right? Well, because, the, you know, I think the discomfort comes from the sense that oh, God, there's my financial statement. If I open it and look through it, I'm going to either see products, particularly mutual funds and ETFs, where the holdings are obscured. Um, So it's not easy for me to even understand what's inside these products. And if I ask my financial person, often they really don't want to talk about it with me. They want to sort of deflect and tell me it's all good and they've got it all underhand and, and it's, you know, it's, it's really not mine to worry about. And increasingly, um, we've done you know, one-on-one work and we're increasingly being asked to build workshops where people bring their financial statements. And first of all, we teach them how to read them. And then second of all, we help them understand what's inside them and be able to help them understand the implications of those investment decisions. Because I think once people take the time to bring their investments into the light, um, usually there's a dark shadow. Um, And the opportunity to stand in, in that darkness, bring the light in, and then be part of um, lighting the way for the economy we want, turn something that is a source of guilt and shame into a beautiful growth opportunity where people get to have this new sense of peace and this new sense of empowerment, and they get to tell their friends and their families that they're part of building the world we want, and they're part of building the architecture for a really beautiful and clean 21st century economy. And, and I think that, you know, that moment, it's like any kind of therapy. It hurts in the beginning when you uncover messiness. Nobody really wants to look in the mirror and see things that are 
um, negative, but there's such a gift in facing those forms of darkness. And you can fix this fast. You know, sometimes therapy takes a really long time to work through issues. Well, financial therapy can be really, really quick. You can get a really big buzz and a really um, enormous sense of self-esteem in a matter of days or weeks. Um, and the larger your investments, the larger your impact. So if you're a high net worth person, you're touching the world with your money in a way that is actually quite large and heavy, and therefore the opportunity for you to reposition that capital and have it go into driving momentum, creating jobs, in places that are good for the world is just such a gift. I, you know, I've seen people break down and cry. I've seen fathers and daughters heal their relationship by coming together and investing with some kind of um, mutuality and ability to hear each other. I've seen husbands and wives. I've seen partners. I've seen, you know, um, inheritors that were quite young work with their parents to really understand that, you know what, I really don't want to invest the way the family has. I actually really want to do something different. And we've also seen this other amazing thing where retirees have written us letters, you know, spelling out their budget and telling us why they were investing the small amount of money they had in our work because it made them feel hopeful. Or we've had a cab driver one day driving us to speak at an event, literally buy our ETF live while we were still in the cab because we felt like for once he was invited inside the architecture of this new economy. And I, I think that's the, the two pieces I hope for the most in our work is that we unite the 1% with the 99 and build an economy that works for 100% of humanity because that's who our products are designed for, everyone. And that I hope we start having coherent conversations about investing in women and people of color and the scattered genius across the world because that's where genius is. Genius isn't just in the minds of smarty pants, white boys in Silicon Valley. Genius exists inside every community. There is as much genius in the hoods and on the reservations, and in the favelas, and in really poor communities, as in any other demographic. And it's time that we started recognizing that the genius of women and poor people and people of color requires us to become investors in that genius. No one else is going to do it. It's not the impact investors. It's not um, the conventional venture capitalists. We also have a responsibility to make sure that the best and brightest people everywhere on the planet have their genius realized and invest and grow that genius because some of the creativity, the incredible genius and creativity that might really save all of us, I believe, is on some of those reservations and in some of those hoods. And so it's time for us to unite Occupy and Wall Street, it's time for us to bring the generations together, and it's time for us to back the play of the best and brightest people on the planet, and they're really, really different and diverse. Mm. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> I love the way you uh, speak to, to the possibility, and I'm so there with you with, like, this new story that we are both articulating and so many others that we um, are connected with that this is what's possible when we come together with this uh, common purpose and, and really acknowledge the, uh, the genius uh, that is available and, and that people want to contribute to a better planet. And, you know, um, we are have the courage and the capacity to step it up in um, share our voices as women, as younger generations rising up into power, and and really collaborate with the older generations, with the men in our lives, 
um, across, you know, um, binds of class and race and age and, and to really unify uh, for, for the common good. And I so love the way that, that you speak to that and, and the true wealth that that can um, develop. For, for people, you know, I, I think it's an important part of the story to redefine wealth um, in this way that's not only financial, but um, as I say, true wealth includes also inner wealth, relational and environmental wealth, and acknowledging that as our compass instead of always looking at the financial um, metrics of of success exclusively will open up a whole rich experience of, of how we can create uh, greater well-being, right? Yes, absolutely. And, and the truth is, and this doesn't get talked about nearly enough, um, it's risky in 2017, 2018 to be a bad actor. Um, Uber went through a massive stock price shock because they were deemed to be a company that didn't respect people adequately. Um, Volkswagen is still facing massive impacts of lying to people and governments about the diesel efficiency of their vehicles. Um, Monsanto, McDonald's are falling prey to what I describe as social license risk. The fossil fuel industry represents stranded asset and carbon risk. So increasingly, being a bad actor, harming people and planet, is going to become increasingly expensive and risky. Um, and so, you know, one of the things I say to the people that are interested in change finances you know, in many ways, we're looking at future-oriented, smart, innovative companies and investing capital there. We're also avoiding some of the worst future risks. And so when you're really examining ethical investment products, you have to be careful not to evaluate them the way Wall Street has ordinarily evaluated investments by looking in the rearview mirror. Um, for many, many decades, it was true that if you looked at the past 30-year performance, you could do a decent job of predicting the future next 10. But that's not true right now, because if you were to predict the future of coal by looking back 30 years, you would be fundamentally wrong, because over the last seven years, coal lost, I think, 90% of its value in about a five-year window. It was a sudden drop off a cliff. Um, and, and so we're in a new world, and um, the changes um, that are coming over the next 10 years, I would argue, will be more violent than the changes that took us from horse and buggies to the first series of cars. If you look at photographs, of you know New York City and the big cities um, in 1905 versus 1915. The big difference is in 1905 there was one car and everything else was horse and buggy. Ten years later, there was one horse and buggy and everything else was cars. It was such a violent change when we came into the era of the automobile and the fossil fuel industry really gaining traction. I believe the next 10 years will be equally, if not more, disruptive and violent. And how are people investing with that in mind? Mostly, they're not. And that's really where change finance comes in as we say, listen, we are de-risking people's investments by understanding the future trends. We're de-risking people's investments by understanding the worst social and environmental issues of our time and managing with those in mind. And we're giving people right now market performance that some people speculate could be better than that. But that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is right now we can give you market volatility, market risk, or better risk, and market performance. So if you can make the same 10, 100, 1,000, $1 million, um, 
by doing the right thing or the wrong thing, we believe people will choose to do the right thing. We just have to make it easy, affordable, and understandable. Mm. Easy, affordable, and understandable. And that really comes back to the, the issue of transparency. And I really want to highlight what you shared earlier about you know, personal transparency, moving past that shame and guilt for people to reach out and, and get the professional support and, and options and find uh, advisors who will um, speak openly and align with their money. And, and as well in relationships, you spoke to that, the power of um, when these people come together and talk openly about how to use their money in alignment, the healing that can happen and, and how much of the power structure is based on um, obscuring the truth of things and that so many people are invested in harmful um, things but just don't realize it because, as you said, it can be difficult and, and intimidating to, uh, to really look into what, where our investments are going. So I do really appreciate that about you and your organization, um, really, uh, really proponents of, of trans greater transparency. Yeah, and, and that's really um, where I think the markets are going. Um, I mean, we still need better intelligence and data. Companies still need to be pressed, I believe, into greater transparency. And there's two ways to do that, through policy, which sometimes is harder in certain jurisdictions, in certain political climates. The other way to demand greater transparency is to literally send more capital into the companies that tell the truth more and better and starve the companies that won't tell us the truth about their complicity in um, uh, sex trafficking, slavery, uh, working in political regimes that are uh, draconian. I mean, we can use our power as investors to reward the folks that do right and that tell all and, again, move capital away from the others because even a small change in stock price is the number one way to get the attention of the board and the C-suite because their compensation is tied to stock price. So if you want to speak powerfully to uh, publicly traded companies, stock price is the number one way to do that. We also uh, vote proxies and do shareholder resolutions. We use every tool available to us as financial activists to support our um, customers in their um, financial activism will be the first ETF company that really uses shareholder resolutions and proxy voting um, to make strong political statements. But we don't use those tools inside companies we don't believe are capable of learning. So, um, you know, the, the oil companies have seen more than their share of shareholder resolutions and they're still driving and culpable of making climate, um, you know, climate chaos and, and driving catastrophic impacts on people and places and other species. So personally, I do not think it is in my best interest or my industry's best interest to be writing um, resolution after resolution intended for a deaf industry. Um, I would much rather talk to the tech industry and say, listen, you have supply chain issues. Listen, you need more women um, to make you better companies at the top and throughout your company, but certainly at the board level, because there's a chance that they would actually make those changes. So I feel like, in essence, we tell people divest from the most harmful practices and companies on the planet, invest in the best of the best, and then use your power of shareholders to drive the conversation and the practices to be better and better and fairer and more transparent 
and more well-positioned for the future. That is the coherent dialogue that I believe we can have in the financial industry, but divesting from the most harmful practices is the number one way we can be heard on climate change, on slavery, and on sex trafficking, in my opinion. Mm, Yes, absolutely. I agree. Yeah, <clears throat> so important for people to uh, to take action because compl- complacency is, uh, you know, uh, also has an impact. You know, doing nothing it does does create um, an impact. Keeping your money as it is is continuing to support these things, and so I really do encourage listeners to. Um, you know, take take some time to review your investments and really look honestly at what you're supporting and if it's in alignment with your deepest values. Um, if people have been inspired today, could you tell us more about how um, someone who's maybe not currently invested in the stock market could, um, you know, take us uh through how we could specifically invest in your fund? I mean, there's a couple of things. Opening um, an account with an ethical investor or opening, you know, a Schwab or a Robinhood account, if you want to do it yourself, is another way to go. There's a tool called fossilfreefunds.org that allows people to evaluate how climate impacting and how human rights impacting their mutual funds and ETFs are. And we were very proud to get a rare, you know, five badge and zero fossil fuel content um, from that tool. Um, I, I really encourage people to pay close attention to the fossil exposure of their investments because even some of the funds that advertise you know, low carbon, no carbon, fossil free, fossil reduced. I mean, lots of them have two to seven percent fossil exposure, even though they're being packaged as ethical and climate related products. Um, so there's a whole bunch of homework for people to do, but fossilfreefunds.org is a great tool. Um, And then if people want to know more about us and who we are, because I think that's part of what's powerful about change finance is we're lots of women, we're lots of millennials, and lots of us have deep experience in clean tech and uh, building the business case for sustainability, defining sustainability, and driving change for decades. And I think that's a very unique story. So there's people right now on Wall Street trying to teach financial people to understand ethics, um, I would argue it makes a lot more sense to build a team of ethical people who also have financial acumen. That teaching ethics and teaching systems change and sort of teaching a deeply nuanced understanding of what is good for the world right now and how to be strategic right now that's really hard to teach Wall Street to do. It is not in their wheelhouse. Um, and so we decided instead to be a mixture of financial people and deeply ethical people who work together by consensus to make smart financial decisions. But that's a very different orientation. It's, it's quite unique. Um, and it's part of what makes people get excited about us. And why we had, you know, 80 people on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange the day we rang the bell, and the majority of them were women, and uh, a significant proportion of them were people of color, and a lot of them were under 40. So the people who are normally left out of finance showed up in droves and chanted on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, what do we want? And then they said, change. And it was very powerful. Even for the salty dogs of the New York Stock Exchange, they were like, how did you get this many people? Your audience is very different than any other issuer we've seen. You have so many women, so many people of color, so many young people that love 
what you're doing, what is it that you're doing? And, and so we tried to, you know, tell them that story, and, and they basically said to us, you guys are one of the most unique financial teams we've ever worked with. You don't smell like Wall Street. You don't look like Wall Street. And we actually think that is your market advantage. Um, your values and where you all come from means that you do money differently. You think about money differently. You think about people differently. You think about the planet differently. And we actually think your thinking is really smart when it comes to investment. This is just good investing. And that's what we're increasingly hearing, even from conventional folks on Wall Street. Wow. I just got, I, I love that image. Thank you for sharing that, that enthusiasm and, um, you know, that very mm, palpable force that is coming forth, as you described, that is diverse, that is young, that is female, that is, uh, you know, bringing our voice with, with a microphone and, and a bullhorn to, uh, to someplace like, like Wall Street and really being acknowledged as, whoa, there's some, there's some enthusiasm here this is not business as usual and uh if you know if people are listening have been inspired by this conversation today i do encourage you to check out um their website which you can see linked in the write-up below and it is uh www.change-finance.com and uh i will love your logo as well and uh just encourage people to uh, to check that out and consider really, um, you know, investing in this innovative way that creates resilience in our communities, in our portfolios and personal lives and, and creates a, a quality of connection through more um, awareness about how we are directing our finances. Um, it's been such a pleasure having you on today. I'm curious if there's any uh, closing thoughts you'd like to share. Uh, well, I want to thank you for your really insightful questions. It's always a pleasure to actually not speak in 10-second sound bites for 30 seconds, but in fact have the chance to unpack the story and the nuance and the intentionality of, of what we're doing. So I really appreciate that. And if people want to get a sense of what was so different about the day we rang the bell at the New York Stock Exchange, which was a pretty big thrill for people that are um, that come from you know activist backgrounds and clean tech backgrounds. One of our team members, Andrew Rodriguez, was a pastor in a former life. Um, and so it was powerful for us to stand there and claim our unique and authentic place um, in Wall Street, not as usual. That was, that was very powerful. But the, the video footage of all of those people chanting, you can find it on YouTube um, if you look up Change Finance Bell Ringing. Um, and it gives people a, a, you know, a concrete sense of why is this so different, what feels so different? Why is it all of those people were there? Um, why were they so lit up? And, and how could that be this uh, new opportunity for all of us to take back Wall Street? Because that's ultimately what we really want to do. And, and increasingly what some of the players on Wall Street want also. You know, there's a lot of people who have been harmed by working inside a financial system that forced them to stop caring about what they care about as soon as they hit their desk. They love their children. They love the forest. They are completely enamored with social and environmental change. And then the second they get to work, they're supposed to forget it all, pretend it all, shut it all off, wall it all off, and be complicit in driving money to harm. And I think there's this incredible opportunity where the activist community and the financial community actually get to play together um, right now. And that feels really exciting because the values of the social sector or the shorthand for me, the values of Occupy, married to the speed, power, and acumen of Wall Street can unlock 
countless possibilities and opportunities to drive change hard and fast. And if you believe what I believe about the impact of climate change and the impact of extreme poverty, we have to do big, hard things well and fast. And the money system probably is one of the most underutilized and potent places for us to stand. And so we have to stand together and take back the money system. We have to change finance. Woohoo! Wow. So well spoken. I so appreciate your uh, voice for what is possible and the emerging story of finance and how we can transform the world through money and uh, just super inspired by you and all the work that you're doing, Donna, and uh, really encourage people to check out Change, Change Finance. And uh, yes, I just get a big yes is how I want to end this episode. And so much gratitude uh, to know that, that the tides are changing and that the women and the youth and people of color are, are having a greater voice and greater influence um, in the mother of all systems, finance. Yes, thank you so much, Donna, for sharing this inspiration with us here today. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give us is to subscribe to the show and rate and review our podcast at iTunes. Be sure to visit www.moneymorphosis.com. That's money-m-o-r-p-h-o-s-i-s.com to join the growing community of empowered women who are dedicated to creating the true wealth they deserve.